And we are live. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. And we are hype, Raptors fans. Raptors fans are fired up as your Toronto Raptors blow out the Golden State Warriors. And I'm going to say something off the front end here. Say something off the very front end of this pod. Those that remember, this podcast started in the year 2018. 2019 season in which you will remember the Toronto Raptors won an NBA championship and there is nothing that warms my soul more than watching the Toronto Raptors beat the Golden State Warriors doesn't matter the venue doesn't matter the score doesn't matter the players in each uniform but if you tell me the Raptors are dummying the Warriors I am here now if you add in the fact that RJ Barrett's going for 37 Let's go. Big win, Raptors fans. 133-118. Again, my name is Sean Alexander. Thank you for tuning in live to this Canada Hoops Daily Presents the Wrap It Up podcast coming to you live after each and every Toronto Raptors game. You can find us and interact with the show in multiple locations. First being the YouTube page. Make sure you like and subscribe there. Send in your comments and questions. We appreciate that. Just blesses with the like, blesses with the share. That's how you support the movement that is the Wrap It Up podcast. You can do that there at Canada Hoops Daily. Same thing goes for the Instagram page, also at Canada Hoops Daily. Of course, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Can Hoops Daily. That's how you join the show live. That's how you interact. Send in your comments and questions that we will take live on this show. And if you ever miss a podcast live, we get it. It's West Coast, late games this week. Lots going on. We got you covered. Multiple places as well. Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Canada Hoops Daily. That's where you can find the show. That's where you can find me doing my thing here, especially for nights like this, where, as mentioned, the Raptors just completely dummy the Golden State Warriors. And this was a run from the get-go. Raptors laid the smackdown from Jump Street in this one. And I mentioned it. RJ Barrett, second most points ever by a Raptors Canadian born player with 37 points, but he also had six assists, six rebounds, five threes from RJ. RJ was showing off the whole repertoire. And the funny thing is, it's been a dominant storyline the RJ versus OG thing and how this trade makes sense. And it's always going to be the same narrative, right? Because Knicks fans were so frustrated with R.J. Barrett for some reason. A 23-year-old that, you know, can still grow, can still do a lot of things, still put up 18 points per game while playing with two very ball-dominant players. And yet, he comes to this Raptors team where he has an opportunity for it to be a better fit. He has a better opportunity to get out on the break and play in a style that might better suit his style of play, but also in a scenario where he can grow, right? Because I asked this question multiple times over and over again. Show me the player the New York Knicks have ever developed. Find that player and then tell me why y'all are so mad or listening to New York Knicks fans talk about what RJ Barrett is and what RJ Barrett could be. Show me the player the New York Knicks have developed in your lifetime. Please. I know there might be some old heads here that are going to try to pull out. Whoa, Patrick Ewing. Oh, yeah. 
you know, that's not what I'm saying here, right? Like, be real. Think about it. So anyways, great game from the Raps. Great game from RJ. Great game from the Raptors bench. Chris Boucher. I'll continue to lead the Chris Boucher fan club here because Chris Boucher does what Chris Boucher should be doing. Coming off the bench, bringing energy, leading a bench squad that had 51 points from the Raptors bench tonight. I think that was the last total number here as, of course, you know, there's some garbage time going on there at the end of the game. But just what a great performance all around from the Toronto Raptors against a Warriors team that is sputtering. So, you know, I'll go through the game. I'll break it down. I'll give you my opinion on things that went down throughout the game, tell you my insights on different things because there's a lot to talk about, obviously. But in the meantime, make sure you send in your comments and questions, and then we will get to those as well because that is the purpose of the show. This is your show, Raptors fans. We do this show for you, the people. So please send in your comments and questions and be a part of the show. Let's start here, right? Because the interesting part is the Golden State Warriors without Draymond Green, who is on a timeout. The NBA basically put him on a timeout. Chris Paul is hurt. Uh, Warriors starting Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Jonathan Kaminga, and Mr. Jackson Davis at the center spot. And this is obviously the Raptors continue with their same starting lineup that has been working so well. And RJ came out with the purpose. They talked about it on the broadcast. Maybe, you know, RJ in the last game, he didn't really get much burn at the end of that game. He watched a lot of that game, but he was still cheer. He was still part of it. You know, he was cheering. He subbed in for a couple of possessions like super late. But for the most part, he wasn't a part of the winning time lineup. And so what do you do? Right? How do you react to that? Do you become Jonathan Kaminga complaining about minutes? Or do you just put your head down and go to work? Well, RJ Barrett decided to put his head down and go to work right from the opening tip. Because RJ hits a three right away. Then Jakob Perto with the layup. Then quickly with the steal. RJ down the floor with another layup. The Raps defense came out to play early. They were just energy the Warriors weren't ready to start this game. The Raptors' energy from the jump. It was a 9-2 run early for the Raps as it led to an early timeout from Steve Kerr, and it didn't matter because it's just more turnovers from Golden State and more of the Raptors getting out on the break. Pascal Siakam was able to get out and get that dunk as quickly, who did a great job you know, distributing tonight, quickly was able to find Pascal Siakam out on the break. And we talked about this, right? Pascal Siakam was at his best, right? Like we've seen, you know, the, the spicy P that's all NBA and all that stuff, but the easy baskets, right? You know, Pascal's feeling good. You know, things are going well for the raps when Pascal is getting those leak outs, right? And quickly was able to find them early. 11 to 2 for the Raps very early. Quickly comes down off the screen, off the pin down, knocks down a three. And I say it again, it's so good just to see a guard who can catch and shoot, who can dribble, hit, like quickly can score at all three levels, right? But even just a simple, basic, oh, we're running a play where he's getting a pin down screen, catching and shooting and knocking down a three. Like it's been so long since seeing that in a Raptors uniform that it's so good. But I think the big part, if you ask me about watching quickly in this game was he didn't force anything, right? Like he kept playing despite the fact that he might not have had it going and might not have been the perfect game for him, you know, scoring wise, but 
He's showing you different facets of his game, showing you different things that he's able to do. And that's lead the offense and play more of the point guard, point guard spot that people might have been questioning. Can he do? And, you know, early on in that game, Raps had four turnovers that they forced on Golden State, led to eight early points. They started this game 10 of 14 from the floor. And why is that? You shoot such a high percentage when you're committed to playing ball in the paint. And RJ, bully ball early, just head down straight to the cup. And the Raps had a run in that first quarter where basically whoever Steph Curry was attempting to guard, whoever Steph Curry was attempting to guard, that Raptors player just took him in the low block and gave him the business. RJ Barrett, bully ball. Scotty Barnes, bully ball. Raptors were up big early. The bench came in and it was much of the same as Raptors continued to force turnovers. Gary Trent Jr. now checking into the game. He was able to get some layups in transition. And the one thing that saved the Warriors from, I mean, they still got blown out, but like saved it kind of early was when they brought in their bench, right? Which was, uh, what's the kid's name? Podzanski, uh, Corey Joseph, who shouts to Kojo, uh, Dario Saric, and of course, Kevon Looney, who, I mean, how dare you punk off Looney and have him come off the bench? It seems like a disrespect. Like, what's wrong with Looney? Seems so strange here, right? But anyways... The Warriors bench gave them life. And it was a good adjustment from Kerr because, again, the Raptors' success came from playing bully ball. So you bring in two bigger guys in terms of Saric and Looney. That slowed the Raptors a little bit. But still, after the first quarter, Raptors led 36 to 28. They shot 64% from the floor in that first quarter, 11 assists on 18 field goals. Siakam. With 12 points, RJ with nine, quickly had six assists in that first quarter. Again, just setting the tone from the point guard position. And so much talk about his scoring, so much talk about, you know, the threes and the sellies and all that stuff. Not enough talk about he has an opportunity to grow and develop his game because you have to understand the role that he played for the New York Knicks was they just needed instant offense. So he just had to come off the bench and be a gunner. With this Raptors team, he has an opportunity to show off a different facet of his game and still grow and develop his game as well. And we're going to get to see that. And that, to me, is the coolest part of this win, where the Raptors win big. There's so many different positive things that you can take away. Of course, RJ is going to get the headline of the 37 points, but I really do think that it's super cool that you got to see quickly play point guard and see some of the other things that he's able to do. Right? Four of 10 in this game, nine points, but he had 10 assists and five rebounds in this game. Right. And I think getting to see that, oh, he can play point guard, point guard. All right. Now you're talking. Because the way that this Raptors team looks post trade, it's just so much faster. The scoring is so much better. And of course, you gave up defense with OG. I get that. But I don't know if you noticed, but Steph Curry scored nine points in this game. Nine points. So clearly they have other bodies that they could throw on Steph Curry to make him go, you know, and Steph Curry, let's be honest, Steph Curry misses more shots than anyone slows him down. But the point remains, 2 of 14, 0 of 9 from three-point land for Steph Curry for nine points. That doesn't cut it. But also you realize Scotty Barnes, who we haven't mentioned yet, 
he had the assignment of playing against a lot of those perimeter guys, right? Him and quickly chasing those guys around. And when you're playing against Steph and the Warriors, it is a lot of chasing those guys around because they're running off screens or doing a whole lot. But speaking of doing a whole lot, RJ continuing to go downhill, tough finish. Then RJ knocks down a three, his second of the game. And then the thing about these threes were he was taking them within the offense. They're either wide open shots where it's coming off pass, pass, wide open bucket. And that's what you want to see. Those are the shots that OG hit. And if we're going to continue to do this OG versus RJ thing, right? It's like, there's going to be games where they go in. There's going to be games when they don't. But bottom line, I think there's a difference. And Leo pointed this out at halftime. The big difference between RJ and OG is RJ is going to hunt his offense. So the threes, he lets come to him. He might force one or two here and there, but it's, it's rare. But in terms of getting to the cup, getting to the free throw line, he will hunt those shots. Whereas OG always said he wanted to, but never really did for whatever reason. Right. So the ball movement from the Toronto Raptors offense is so good. And I just think once you add two guards, two guys who are able to create, that just gives you more guys who are able to break the defense down off the dribbler. Once you do that, you get more penetration, you get more open looks, and it's just a different style. You replaced OG and added two guys to your starting lineup who are able to break their defender down and either blow past that guy to be able to get someone else's shot or push the ball up in transition and make a play in transition. Those weren't things that OG and an OB did. It just wasn't no fault of his. It just wasn't his skill set. OG was a great defender and a great three and D guy, probably like the peak three and D guy that you could possibly want. But for what this Raptors team needed, they got, they got so far and it's looked good so far as a bunch of other pieces fall into place. So Chris Boucher, Chris Boucher, I thought had a really good game because there is a play in that second quarter where he gets the ball on the break. And we've seen this before. Chris Boucher is dribbling and you see, he's going to try to do that Euro step in the lane and try to either do a tough finish layup or maybe dunk it on someone. But instead he drove in the lane, saw that it wasn't there, kicked it out to Dennis Schroeder who passed it to Gary Trent Jr., finds RJ for another three. RJ knocked that one down. It was just an all out, just crazy, crazy run by the Toronto Raptors in that first half. So many good plays offensively. You had the play again, where Chris Boucher knocks down a three, then quickly finds Schroeder for a three and they play so much faster offensively. And when you play faster offensively, you get easier baskets. The defense doesn't really know how to, you know, adjust to what you're doing and quickly, you know, getting in the lane and seeing that floater. I remember saying on the, the trade pod, or maybe it was one of the pods right after, I think that, uh, was worldwide Wob that said Raptors fans, you're going to love, you're going to fall in love with the quickly floater because he never misses it. <laughs> and obviously never misses. He's being facetious, but like, the floater is so nice and it seems to always go in and when quickly hit that you, you just had everything going from an offensive standpoint and the Raptors got out on the break Siakam again on the break with the alley-oop pass to RJ and quickly then finds Barnes that ends up being a dunk as well 
after Golden State made their little runs, the Raptors would find a way, check back in, get back to business, do what they do. Raptors, in the midst of a 10-0 run, great play again. They get the ball up to Scotty. Scotty's on the break. He misses the dunk. The ball's about to go out of bounds. And this is a scenario where, hey, you're up big. You missed the dunk. Okay. You could just leave it. Go back, play some defense. Instead, Emmanuel quickly sprints, saves the ball from going out of bounds, finds it to, I forget who got the ball, but they found it. The ball ended up getting swung to RJ again in the corner. And it's like, this was just meant to be RJ's game. Because when stuff like that's happening, Scotty Barnes missing a dunk, the ball's almost going out of bounds, it gets saved, swing, swing, RJ wide open for three. I mean, it was just a... a 26 points, RJ in the first half, quickly able to work the pick and roll with Yak. As mentioned, he had nine assists in that first half. Raptors with 23 assists on 32 field goals in that first half. They were up 76 to 49 at the half. RJ Barrett, 26 points on 10 of 13 shooting, five of six from three. I'm going to say that again, 10 of 13 from the floor overall. Five of six from three was RJ Barrett in that first half. And when the key to that is again, all the work he did going downhill. And his first shot was a three pointer and he hit it. But after that, downhill, downhill, driving with the purpose. And the one key thing, too, that I really like about RJ's game is when he's driving to the basket, he's driving to score. He's not driving trying to get fouled. That's a huge differentiator as well. And he just had it going. Warriors were so shook that they sat all of their starters, not named Steph and Clay, and ended up that meant Wiggins, Kaminga, and Jackson Davis to the bench. And then you had Sarge, Looney, and Podzinski back into that starting lineup to start the second half for the Warriors. And it was a good adjustment by Steve Kerr. They started to play well. They made a huge push, as you knew they the Warriors would. For a while there, you actually heard the crowd start to yell because the crowd was getting back into it and getting fired up. Because Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson didn't play too bad in this game, you know. 25 points from Clay in this one. As I thought his shooting, especially in that run they had in the third quarter, was really key. He was 10 of 15 overall, five of seven from three for Clay. But you know, he gave them the offense that. You know, you're getting you're not expecting much more from Clay Thompson there, but this Warriors team, they just lacked so much energy. And when you have to sit three of your starters to start the second half, like you're you're starting to send some messages. And Jonathan Kaminga, I mean, you're gonna call out the coach and your playing time and all that stuff, and then you come out and you're getting benched in to start the second quarter or the second half, pardon me. I mean. Come on, man. <laughs> like that's that's not good PR work, bro. <laughs> right? Because already people were, I forget who tweeted it out, but already people were kind of saying, is Jonathan Kaminga a guy that's allowed to leak a story to Shams that he's not happy with his playing time? Like, what's the bar there in terms of caliber of player that we accept as a headline? Blank says he's unhappy with his role on the team. Like, is Jonathan Kaminga there? Does he have that resume? I'll leave you with that. It's a question. Question for another day. We'll see. Also a question, I mean, as you know, I'm sure a lot of Raptors fans were interested in seeing Jonathan Kaminga as, of course, 
there's some rumors about maybe the Warriors could be a trade partner for Pascal Siakam. And then, of course, there was a, a picture floating around pregame of Masai Ujiri speaking with uh, the GM of the Warriors, Mike Dunleavy Jr. Interesting stuff, right? <laughs> this next month is going to be so crazy. But anyways, back to the game. Warriors made a push. Clay hits a three, cuts a game to 13 at that point. And the Raptors, Darko just, you know, you can see him improving more and more and more and getting more comfortable with the rotation and stuff. But out of that timeout, finds a draws up a play, gets Siakam a paint touch, leads to a bucket, stops the run. Scotty Barnes had a little point there where he, he tried to get in on the action, drove, missed a tough layup. Next time down the floor, he lost the ball. Warriors scored the other way, made it a 10-point game. And then guess what? The Raptors did what they did for the majority of the game, which was play defense, turn their defense into offense. You had Gary Trent Jr. making a steal. Sorry, first off, you had Siakam playing great defense on Kaminga. They Raptors end up getting the turnover. Barrett takes it the other way. He finds Trent Jr. for a three. Warriors come back down. And it's Gary Trent Jr. this time with the steal. Raptors running the transition game, finds Gary Trent Jr. He misses the layup, but Chris Boucher is there to get the bucket right before the end of the third quarter buzzer. Raptors led 101-87 after three. It was a blowout at that point. In the fourth quarter, Boucher hits a three. Then Boucher hits another three. It's a 20-point lead. Raptors go on to win. Lots of time for the Raptors bench. A great game had by all as the Toronto Raptors put in work. In a game after last game where they had eight players in double digits, the Raptors come back in this game and have six players in double digits. So, again, R.J. Barrett leading the way with 37 but then he got Chris Boucher off the bench with 17 points and nine rebounds on seven of seven shooting from the floor, including three of three from three point land for Chris Boucher. Great performance from him. Then also off the bench, Gary Trent Jr. with 14 points, Dennis Schroeder with 13 points. You know, mentioned Siakam. He had his 16 chipping in. Jakob Pertle gave you 14 points, 11 rebounds, five assists. This was just a great team effort from the Toronto Raptors where when you get out, you have offensive players, you want to play fast, you realize the other team doesn't have their defensive you know, anchor in terms of Draymond Green and no real rim protection. So you're able to get out on the break. You're able to have fun. You're able to find the mismatches in terms of finding where Steph Curry was and where the, there's no place to hide. So the Raptors just found that matchup and you were hitting your threes, and RJ was doing that, I mean, what a time for Toronto Raptors as they win 133-118 to 118 over said Golden State Warriors. Just a wire-to-wire -wire drubbing here in Golden State, a place that used to be very tough to play for everyone. And so you take those dubs in Golden State where you can for sure. Great game had by all. If you're not a Golden State Warriors fan, as I'm looking at that team and thinking, wait, what actually is their next move here? Because if they're just thinking that Draymond's going to come back and then Draymond's going to make everything okay, I don't really know about that one. That one doesn't really seem to make much sense to me. But 
We shall see anyways, because there will be, I mean, we know the Golden State Warriors are going to be the talk of the NBA so far. I mean, because that's just the way it always is. In terms of the Toronto Raptors, what do they have to do to become the talk of the NBA? Because since they've made this trade, I don't know, man. The fan base is fired up. Let me see here. Someone asked, Scotty Barnes is good. He says, do you read these comments? Question mark. To answer your question, yes, I do. Jeremy says, RJ went beast mode tonight. Yes, he did. RJ Barrett put on such a show, but I think the thing to really pay attention about was just how he was able to score. Because you're starting to see how all these pieces fit together. And I think that's a really cool part of this whole thing because the pieces fit so much better. You know, the spacing is just so much better. Just the versatility that that you're, you've given your roster by adding a, a point guard, point guard, but also just RJ, who's someone who's able to create off the dribble and at least at least get a look off the dribble or lead the fast break. Like he's not the best ball handler, but he has an offensive skill set that was not there from OG and Anobi, right? So I think once you see that from RJ's game and you see these games where he's not going to hit five threes every game, he's not going to shoot this great from three every game, but you see the flashes of it. And again, I ask you, why can't he improve from the numbers that he's at now? Again, I ask you, when have we seen the, anyone develop from the New York Knicks? The rookie that they've drafted or someone come through their program. But yet, we've seen it time in and time out from the Toronto Raptors, whether it's someone picked late in the draft, whether it's a lottery pick, whether it's someone who's undrafted. We've seen the Raptors development team be able to take someone and help improve their game and take their game to another level to where they're able to contribute to this Toronto Raptors organization. So I say, why can't RJ Barrett improve his three-point shooting? Again, he's not going to do it at this clip, but I also don't think he has to for this team to be successful. A simple let's go from Tammy. Tammy's fired up, and that's great to see. Uh, another comment here from Rico World Peace. He says, Knicks fans are happy. He's playing well for your team. Uh Oh, Nick fans are happy RJ's playing well for our team. Well, yeah, the interesting part in listening to a lot of Nick's media, it seems that he was super well-liked, you know, and it's easy to tell. Like, we have experience dealing with RJ, obviously, from Canada basketball on the regular, and obviously, every time he comes in with the Knicks, obviously, we know we've heard him speak a lot. We know that he's such a really, really, really good kid, and all the Knicks media were very quick to say how much of a pleasure it was to deal with him all these years because, you know, he'd always be there to answer questions, to take anything. And obviously it's not like it was all roses in New York. There's a lot of tough times in New York and he was always there and available to answer questions. And so now coming home, I mean, this seems really dope so far and it's gotten off to a great start. 37 points in, in a big time win. I mean, it's a great start for sure. Uh, this question is going to be here, I feel like, for uh, every game until the trade deadline. It says, do we really want Pascal to go? I don't. <laughs> now, I understand where this sentiment comes from, right? And I get it. And I think that, you know, we've heard from, there's a bunch of different Raptors reporters that have floated the idea of, 
maybe there ends up being an awkward extension that gets signed before the deadline, just because that would help everyone involved. You know, maybe it's a shorter number. So then Pascal can kind of, you know, show and prove maybe, you know, boost the stock more, or maybe even just give the wraps more time to work out a deal that works best for both parties. But he's still able to sign and get the per year value that he's seeking. There's a world in which if this continues to go well until the trade deadline, I could definitely see a scenario in where they end up signing a deal. Cause the other part is Pascal can essentially turn down any deal he wants, right? Like, think about it. If he says we've already seen this where I guess he didn't want to go to Atlanta and him and his agent made it known he wanted to stay in Toronto. So if there's any trade that comes up, the team that's trading for Pascal Siakam as a pending free agent, that team has to try to see if there's interest in re-signing. And unless that happens, said team is not going to be trying to give up a lot of assets to get Pascal Siakam for a couple months. And truth be told, why would they? Right? Of course you wouldn't try to do that. So we get it. We It makes sense. I still think, though, you know, if the Raps go on a little bit of a run here where people start to think and the team starts to, the vibes get so high that people start to think, wait, can this team, like, you know, make a little push here in the East? And what I mean by that is get into that, get past the play-in part, but get into, you know, that 7-8 to where now you're thinking, can we get to 6th? And I know people might think that sounds kind of crazy, but the reality of it is, it's not as crazy as you think when you think of the other teams that are in and around that area in the Eastern Conference, especially like when you really break it down, you got the Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks and the Sixers, right? Then there's kind of a clutter there. There's another group that's the Orlando, Cleveland, the Knicks, Pacers, Miami Heat. Now the Raps are behind those teams. Obviously those teams are at 20 wins. The Raptors are at 15 wins, right? Or I guess more importantly, those teams are at 15 losses. The Raptors are at 21 losses. Okay. But what I'm saying is if you start to sniff around those teams, you have to start to ask yourself, how do you think you match up? Like how far off are you from the Indiana Pacers or from the New York Knicks or from the Cleveland Cavaliers? with this team that you currently have. So that's really what this next month from an on-court standpoint could be to me. If the Raps start stringing together some wins, do Masai and Bobby start talking themselves into, hey, can we sign Siakam? Can we let this ride out and see what we can do here if this team goes on a run? You know, they reel off some wins in a row. Because the other part of it is, I know they lost to Sacramento, but we talked about it on this pod, how. I'm not big on moral victories, but I thought the Raps looked really good in that game. And if not for the first half crazy shooting from the Sacramento Kings and, you know, just the Raptors needing to get used to their new teammates in winning time, meaning the way that that last play went off for quickly in, in, you know, with seconds left in that game. I mean, you're talking about really good performances here. And I've stressed that I'm not focused on the wins or losses. 
I'm having this conversation more for, you know, the fan base here, the people that are talking about, Hey, does, should Pascal stay or should Pascal go? This is what it comes down to. How good do you think this team is right now? Do you think that they match up with those other teams that I just named the Knicks, the Cavs, you know, Orlando, how do you think you match up to those teams? Because if you think you can give those teams a go, if you think you can get and flirt with that sixth spot, I have a feeling the Raptors would do that. I don't know that. I really don't. And clearly we saw the video again today. They, they showed it on the broadcast of Masai on the phone with quickly talking about, um, you know, being excited and coming here and building with Scotty. So listen, I don't know what's going to happen. I still know that we haven't seen a press conference yet from Masai and Bobby to talk about what just happened with the trade with the Knicks. And the assumption would be the reason why they haven't done that is because they would also have to ask, answer questions about what's next <laughs> in terms of uh, Pascal Siakam, you know? So you get it, you understand it. I don't know what the right answer is, but I just think that you just try to keep playing good basketball and then these things will make more sense as we go along. Uh, here's a comment here from Aisha or Sheldon, please comment on second chance points for the Warriors. This could have been a 40 point game. Yeah, I think for the Warriors, it was big because of the adjustment that they made. And once they went big with Looney and Saric, they, you know, were able to take care of the glass. And once you're able to do that, and we've seen it with the Raptors, we saw it with the Raptors against Sacramento. Once you focus on playing inside and then you're, you're bettering your percentages as opposed to just sitting outside and shooting threes, right? So I think once they went big, they're able to control the glass more, which really helped them. Another comment, this trade worked so well for both teams. I'm happy OG is doing well and RJ and IQ fit us as we hoped. I start. I started to feel hopeful again. I have a feeling that that sums up a lot of the Raptors fan base, if I'm being honest. I really do. The Raptors, you know, Raptors fans are also rooting for OG, right? They want OG to do well. And I get that, right? OG was a homegrown product. He was, you know, he had like funny clips. He was a good dude. You watched him grow up. You watched him battle through injuries and stuff like that. So, I understand that, you know, he's a well-liked Toronto Raptor and he was here for a super long time. So of course you want to see him do well for the Knicks other than when you they play the Raps, right? So I get that. So it is cool because as mentioned, if this trade is just this trade, I don't think that it makes sense at all for the Knicks. And I've said that from the get-go, right? But the Knicks, and you would believe this if this was your, was your own team, they on the inside obviously believe that they they're closer to competing to the top than they were before. You get OG and now you have someone to guard Tatum, you have someone to guard Giannis, right? You you have someone to do that. And I think that's what their goal was. What's the stat nerds throwing out? They got a uh, OG leading the NBA in plus minus since the trade. <laughs> I love those stats. Cool. You know what stats I like? RJ Barrett, 37.6 assists and six rebounds on five of eight shooting. RJ almost had more points than OG has 
in the four games that he's played for the New York Knicks. I love, I'm sorry. Let me be petty here, right? It's been a tough first, what, 25 games watching this Raptors team. So pardon me if I'm a little more excited now that there's good basketball to talk about. Uh, MC Maestro says, Sheldon pleads to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. Something like that, right? Also says, I knew RJ was going for the chain tonight. <laughs> yes, RJ Barrett getting the chain for sure. You heard him tell Kayla that in the post game. Um, the rap's new tradition where someone gets the chain after each game. I just think, honestly, um, oh, wow. My guy, August, you stopped me dead in my tracks, so I'm going to read this comment. He says, not too much on OG. Listen, I'm not trying to bash OG I know a lot of Raptors fans love OG and I get it and I understand. So my goal is never to bash OG. My goal was always to be real about OG. And for the last, what, three years, four years, something like that, it was a consistent narrative of this is the year OG makes a leap. Like, I don't forget all the talk about baby Kawhi and he could maybe be Kawhi and all that stuff we were told year in and year out and then add in the stuff from the start of last year about how he wants a bigger role on the team and it's like a bigger role like what, what does that mean a bigger role in the offense like what so that's the viewpoint that I'm coming at I'm coming at this from the viewpoint of whatever OG was about to sign for there's no way the Raps are going to sign him to that deal that's where I'm coming from in all this. I'm not trying to hate on OG. I'm just saying that if you're the Raps and Masai, you ripped off the Knicks in this deal. That's all I'm saying. And nights like this, where it's like quickly, like one night quickly leads the Raps in scoring. The next night, RJ leads the Raps in scoring. How many times did OG lead the Raps in scoring? That is my question to the audience. I'll wait. <laughs> My point is vibes are high. Vibes are good. Do the Raps play the Knicks again? They must, right? Like they've only played twice this year, I think, already. So there's got to be more Knicks games on the table. So that's going to be a lot of fun whenever that happens. Because, listen, Knicks fans are feeling good. Raps fans are feeling good. And that's only good for basketball on the whole, right? I want Knicks fans to be happy. Right, I want Knicks fans to get excited about their team, and we all know that the 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 playoffs. There's few crowds that even can come close to what the vibes are like in New York, Madison Square Garden for the playoffs. So I want to see that. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Andrew, Andrew the Goat says the Warriors played like dog crap. What the f happened to the Warriors? Yeah, I think that the Warriors almost, and, and this is different, so I'm not making a direct comparison because obviously the Warriors won a championship like two years ago, but what I will say is the Warriors were playing this middle game for a while where they're trying to hold on to their past and build for the future. They just had miscalculations in between. So after that 2019 season, when the Raptors beat them in the championship, in case you forgot, um, the Warriors missed the playoffs. The Warriors found themselves in a scenario where they were picking second in the NBA draft. 
and they took James Wiseman and that didn't work out. And obviously that's a COVID year. So there's a lot of stuff where, you know, you weren't, you didn't have the same level of interviewing draft prospects or even going to see draft prospects. Like it was just a different, different vibe, right? Different world altogether, obviously. But also they held on to their guys for a long time. Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, they held on to those pieces and hope that they'd be able to kind of take the reins more from Steph and Clay. And that didn't happen. That didn't happen as they thought. Andrew Wiggins also came in and he showed spurts. Obviously he was huge in that championship year, but overall I think that led them to believe that they'd be able to get more from Andrew Wiggins. And that also didn't happen, you know? So I think just, all the while they're they're able to win a championship so that's awesome right like obviously you take that and that's a huge win and i'm sure many people didn't think that was going to happen cuz i didn't i didn't honestly i didn't think that was going to happen i didn't think they had one more championship left in them but this is where they are and the asset that they had in jordan pool which you know I know Jordan Poole's kind of become like a Shaq and a Fool all-star this season on the Washington Wizards. But if we go back to the start of the year, I do think that a lot of people thought, couldn't they have gotten more for Jordan Poole? But they were just so interested in getting him away, but also bringing in a vet like Chris Paul to kind of keep this core running of Clay, Steph, and Draymond. So... I think there's just a lot of miscalculations along the way. And I wonder what their next move is because even Draymond coming back, Draymond's not helping that team that I seen tonight. He's just not. And also like how reliable can we still say Draymond is just think of the wild things we've seen Draymond do in the last two years. So who knows how reliable he can be? Is there a move to be made? I feel like you kind of, I don't want to say you owe it to Steph Curry, but the toughest part obviously is what do you do with clay? So then you're talking about your other assets that you have. You're talking Wiggins, you're talking Kaminga, who's just sewering his trade value right now, but Wiggins, Kaminga, Moody, right? What is that going to be able to pull you in? Is that going to be able to get you a Siakam? What about a Zach Levine? Do those two things help your team? Is that the direction you want to go? Like there's so many sides to this, right? And I don't know what the answer is for the Warriors, but I will say from the Raptors point of view, I do enjoy watching it. <laughs> Listen, I didn't forget the front running Golden State Warriors that were running up and down the court and shimmy shaking as they were blowing out every team because they had Kevin Durant on their squad as well. Like I didn't forget about that, right? So uh, let's see here. Got some Knicks fans in the chat here. Uh, he says, OG, OG is what we needed on the Knicks. Oh, and the avatar is an OG and an OB dunk right away. Is that Photoshop? Is that a Photoshop pick? Listen, I understand. I get it. I get it. I'm just saying, like, listen, I get it. I understand what the Knicks fans are saying. You needed someone to hit those open threes, which for the most part, OG can do. And you needed someone to play defense. So I, I totally understand it. I just think that you gave up too much to get OG Ananobi. That's all I'm saying. Because I've watched a lot of OG Ananobi games. That's all I'm saying. You gave up a lot. 
I don't think he needed to give up all that to get OG Ananobi. But hey, what do I know? Maybe Masai, Masai just held held firm, right? Masai held his position in terms of, hey, you guys, as you just said, it's what the Knicks really needed. So here we are, right? If that's what you really need, you also got to take Malachi. <laughs> oh, man. What else do we think about this game, though, in terms of the Raptors and how they looked against the Golden State Warriors? Because I really think that, you know, the Raptors, from the Raptors' point of view, there's a lot of positives you can take from this game because the way that their offense is playing and what um, what you see now in R.J. Barrett's game in terms of the versatility, I think that's a lot different than what people were expecting. And just a narrative, right? The narrative around the narrative around uh, R.J. Barrett was so strange to me. So it was interesting to see, and I think like great to see him play well so far for the Raptors and especially doesn't matter what his role has been as mentioned. Cause he didn't really play much in crunch time last game. That's just because some other guys had it going, but then he comes down this game and right from jump street, he's ready to go. Uh, what's my guy here say from the Knicks. What I think is OG is not worth 40 mil. You know what? I agree with you. OG is not worth 40 mil. <laughs> So I don't know what you guys got going with CAA over there, but more power to you. I really hope that you don't, they don't end up, I mean, for your sake, do whatever y'all want, but you're right. OG is not worth 40 mil. Um, he says he'd rather have OG over RJ. Cool, man. No problem. I hear you. More power to you. I understand why people would think that until you watch a lot of OG and OB games in a row. That's all. And I know the, the RJ is inconsistent and inefficient. I get that. But then that's why you add in all the other pieces to the deal, right? That's why you add in quickly. Like if you told me it was OG for quickly and that's it. Cool. But instead the Raptors also got RJ, they got quickly and they got a second round pick buckets. Buckets, buckets, buckets. But yes, I know it's the West Coast. It's late night, you know, so thanks everyone for tuning in to this, the Wrap It Up podcast. We'll be with you again throughout the week because the Raps got a very interesting road trip as it continues. Of course, after tonight's win, they'll find themselves taking on the Los Angeles Lakers on Tuesday. Then they got the Clippers on Wednesday and close out the road trip in Utah on Friday. All West Coast, all late nights will be here because that's what we do here on the Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on the app formerly known as Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. That's how you can interact with me if you want to interact with the show. Again, we do this live and you can watch the show live on multiple places, multiple platforms and interact with us no matter where you're at, Toronto or New York, as you just witnessed or listened to. Um, but you can like and subscribe to the pod. Make sure you find us on Instagram and on YouTube at Canada Hoops Daily. Like and subscribe there. Send in your comments there. Same thing goes for Twitter at Can Hoops Daily. And if you ever miss this live, no problem. We got you covered, especially on these West Coast games where it's super late night. 
We got you covered for your morning commute. We The pod will be up on Apple and on Spotify. Same thing, Canada Hoops Daily page. Thank you all for tuning in to this to Wrap It Up podcast. Really appreciate it as the Raptors win 133-118 to 118 over the Golden State Warriors. R.J. Barrett leading the way with 37 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 5 three-pointers hit by R.J. The Toronto Raptors were able to hold Steph Curry to just nine points and zero three-pointers from Steph Curry. That's a crazy stat line. Steph Curry did not hit a three in this game against the Toronto Raptors. That is crazy. And now it's so crazy it made me double-check it, and yeah, he was 0 for 9. Like, I knew that. And then in my head, I was still doubting myself because I was like, really? Steph didn't even hit 1-3? No, he went 0-9 in this game. Guess the Raptors may not need... Oh, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, Raptors fans. August, I'm joking. I wasn't going to make the OG joke. But great night had by all on the Toronto Raptors. They got 51 points from their bench, led by Chris Boucher, who was a perfect 7-for-7 seven seven from the floor, including 3-for-3 three three from three-point land. Also give him nine rebounds because that's what Chris Boucher does. But the bench doing the thing with Gary Trent Jr. at 14, Dennis Schroeder with 13, and, of course, the starting lineup, not too shabby at all. Yakuperto with a double-double, 14 and 11. You had Pascal Siakam with 16, 6 and 6. Scotty Barnes, very quiet game offensively, but as we talk about Scotty Barnes a lot, his skill set means that he can do and contribute in a lot of different ways. And tonight, it was a it was it was defense. That's what he did. He focused in on defense and he did the job. Only had six points in this game, three of eleven from the floor, oh of four from three. And there was, you know, I'll leave Scotty. I'm not gonna you know, harp on Scotty's 0 for 4 from 3 in this game because I get it. He's been shooting the 3 well. There were open shots. He's going to take them. I understand that. We know he'll be better next game. Not a big deal at all. Is Scotty Barnes with 6 points in this game. But I think the bigger picture point here is that if I were to tell you that this Raptors team this season would have a game in which Scotty Barnes went 3 for 11 from the floor for 6 points, and I told you the Raptors won that game 133 to 118, you wouldn't have believed me. Don't lie. I know you would not have believed me. If I told you Scotty Barnes had six points, Yakim only had 16, and they were in Golden State, you would have thought the Warriors won this game 133-118. to 118. But no, sir. Raptors win, Raptors win, Raptors win. Thank you all for tuning in to this Wrap It Up podcast. As always, my name is Sean Alexander. I thank you. And just know, make sure you like and subscribe so that you get the you get the uh, the alerts live so you know when we're up and you can join the show live and send in all your comments and questions because we appreciate that. And of course, if you're watching this in the YouTube page right now, before you leave, don't forget to bless us with a like. We appreciate that. Like and subscribe to the show. Tell your friends because this is your show's Raptors fans. It really is. Because I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is Canada Hoops Daily Presents Wrap It Up Podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.